The Real Estate Sessions podcast is sponsored by AdWorks. AdWorks makes digital advertising for real estate brilliantly simple. Promote your brands, promote your listings, learn more at adworks.com. That's A-D-W-E-R-X.com, adworks.com. So a lot of it is kind of just putting myself out there, not holding anything back. Uh, And I've been getting a lot of really um, great feedback from people that they you know, it's authentic. It's real. I don't make any of the stuff up. It's just, it's just real stuff. Welcome to the Real Estate Sessions and join industry leaders as they share their stories and offer tips and advice to real estate professionals. Now your host, Bill Risser of Chicago Title, Arizona. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Real Estate Sessions podcast. Before we get started with today's episode, I just wanted to thank everyone for sharing the podcast. We've been growing exponentially, and I can't thank you enough for sharing out the link and sharing the fact that we're out there. And I really appreciate it. I'd also appreciate it if you like what you're hearing, if you went to iTunes and left a rating and review, that really helps get the show um, discovered by others as well. Thank you so much for your support. Let's get on with today's show. Today on episode 42 of the Real Estate Sessions, we head back east to the Big Apple. Uh, We're going to find out what it's like to run a boutique brokerage in Manhattan. And we'll find out today as Michael Meyer, owner of Meyer International, joins us to share his story. Michael, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thank you. Thank you for for having me on the show. So you're based in Manhattan. You live in Manhattan. Did Did you grow up in the city? So I didn't grow up in Manhattan, but I grew up in New Jersey. It's basically a Manhattan suburb. Uh, most of the people that grew up in the town where I grew up lived in Manhattan. You know, so I was always always in very close proximity to Manhattan. Always as a kid was brought into Manhattan to go shopping and that kind of thing. Okay. And uh, as a West Coast guy, and, and now I live in Phoenix, I've always been intrigued by Manhattan. I mean, it's just an, 10 million people on an island. That's insane. I, how does that happen? But Talk to me a little bit about talk to me a little bit about living there because um, you're there now with your wife and daughter and um, what are how about what are some of the common misconceptions you know folks from the from the West Coast have about living in Manhattan? Misconceptions, um, you know, a lot of people that I deal with in Manhattan, um, we deal with the, the luxury crowd, and a lot of them have homes in other places as well. So a lot of them have homes on the East Coast and on the West Coast. You also have a lot of people, you know, almost all my clients have, let's say, a a place in Florida, uh, and many of them have a place in California as well. Uh, So we're pretty well connected over there. Uh, It's definitely, um, you know, it's it's kind of funny. People that are in Manhattan, you know, whenever they go away, they always can't wait to come home. They love it here. Um, But they're always talking about how things look on the other side. And uh, it's the same thing in California. In California, everyone's always looking at Manhattan and, 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 you know, are like, oh, wow, how amazing. Um, and I think each, you know, it's, uh, each place is amazing in its, uh, in its own way. Um, what I particularly love about Manhattan uh, is, um, uh, number one, whether I'm in my office or whether I'm at home, I walk out the door and there's life, there's activity, there's growth. You know, even this morning, I uh, took my dog for a walk, which I do every day, walk my dog for like two hours a day. And I love that opportunity because every time I take him out, I walk into somebody and, uh, you know, we have a conversation, you know, so scratch my head when I think about people that live outside of the city, where if you walk out of your house, like, you know, what are the chances that your neighbor happens to be outside and you're talking to them? You know, like it's a surprise when that happens, I would imagine. Um, and here it's every day I walk out my door, 
I know I'm going to meet someone. Um, I know if I'm bored, I can just walk outside and, you know, next thing I know, I'll be having a drink with someone on the corner. So it's just something that I really love about Manhattan. Uh, it's a, some people I think see Manhattan as a place where uh, it's very transient. Um, and it is. A lot of people, you know, do, uh, you know, start here and then when the family grows and, you know, a lot of times for financial reasons, they can't afford the bigger apartment and they move out of the city. Uh, but the reason that people live in the city is because they like being around people and being close to people. Um, and they're, you know, it's almost like the, the strong desire for a community. It's, it's easier to have a community here because everybody's around you all the time. You know, the difficulty is that people then tend to move out of the city sometimes and have homes in other places. So that's the challenge of keeping that community. Uh, you seem to have like great friends and then they move and then you got to find new friends and so on and so forth. There's always a constant flux. For me in, in my life with my wife, you know, we're empty nesters now. Our son is actually in Syracuse, <laughs> so finishing up a, a master's degree. And nice. uh, yeah, so, but our, my goal is to go urban. I want to leave the suburbs and I want to go back into a city, which here in the desert is going to mean Scottsdale, Tempe, or Phoenix. And it's nothing mm -hmm. like nothing like Manhattan, but I want to be able to walk to things. I want to be able to walk to a movie and walk to a restaurant and walk to the grocery store. And I'm looking forward to that. So it'll be my little tiny Manhattan experience in the desert, I hope. So we'll see. Yeah, well, there's a common, like, um, I don't know if this was a few years ago, if they're still saying it, but there was this big talk about New York City becoming almost a retirement place because people, they start in the city and then they move out. And oftentimes they move out because they have to. They get kicked out, so to speak. They can't afford it. And they move out and then the kids grow up and the kids go to college and they're always waiting to be able to come back to their roots and come back to New York City and, you know, those, uh, uh, you know, it's just, just the fun that's involved. So then when the kids move out and they don't need as big of a place anymore and they're going to retirement mode, if you're in the city, it's, it's, as you even get older, it's an easier place to live because everything's right around the corner. You need something, whether it be medical help or whether it be you want to go something from the grocery store, you don't have to worry about somebody taking you there. Like you take your elevator downstairs, you walk next door, you're in the grocery store and you're, you got, you got surrounded by life. So it's pretty amazing in that way. Now you, you grew up part of a big family. Um, was there anyone else in the real estate business, or, or are you kind of the pioneer for that, for, for the Myers? Yeah, I'm definitely uh, the first business guy, um, real estate guy, definitely, uh, in the family. My father is a, is a doctor, an OBGYN. My sister joined his practice as an OBGYN. My other sister is a um, uh, pediatrician. I have another sister that's a registered nurse. I have a brother who is a lawyer who represents doctors. And then I have a brother that's still in Harvard. We'll see where he goes. He's a very, very smart kid. Uh, just developed an app, by the way, called Taxi Later, which is getting crazy press right now. It's a way you can order Uber um, taxis in advance. You don't have to order Uber on the spot. So Taxi Later is a cool thing. So he's doing all this crazy stuff. So we'll see what, what he ends up doing. He might be in the business medical world or computer engineering or whatever that is. Uh, and, then I, uh, and then I have a sister uh, who's in uh, Barnard University, part of Columbia University. So big family. I'm definitely the first one that stepped out of the medical lawyer type world and uh, did something a little bit more risky, a little bit more challenging and um, not more challenging, but just more challenging in a, in a business sense. Yeah, that's, that's, my, that's my family right there. Wow. And so you went to school, college in Manhattan? I went to school in Manhattan. Um, it's a school... It's called Sci Sims. Uh, it's a business school. It's part of Yeshiva University. Um, Yeshiva University owns a few uh, different colleges and medical schools and stuff like that. And I actually started off at pre-med. Then I ended up switching into finance um, and had no idea what I wanted to do uh, and graduated college with no idea of what I wanted to do. 
and my parents were like, you either go get it. If you don't have a job by tomorrow, so to speak, you're going to go work at Starbucks. Like, you better get yourself a job. So uh, some copier sales company um, came, into, uh, came into the school to, you know, pitch like every other company comes to pitch students to come work for them. And basically, they pretty much hired everybody. Uh, so it was pretty easy to get a job over there. Uh, and I needed to get a job, and I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I started working in this copier sales industry. Um, so I started working at this copier sales company, and um, I didn't know, had no idea that copier sales is the hardest sales job that exists. Um, and if anybody ever, uh, you know, if you meet any copier sales guys, industries change a bit. But basically, when I started in the industry, uh, I would basically be going door to door to door, knocking on doors, trying to get into businesses to find out when they last bought their copy machine so I can try to sell them a new one. And, of course, you know, people don't like random people knocking on their door uh, and asking how old your copy machine is. So it's a very difficult kind of job. Um, and, uh, but I ended up, you know, discovering that, uh, you know, I just, was a, just had a really hard work ethic and I, I wanted to succeed. And uh, I worked extremely hard. Uh, I took it really seriously. And um, I ended up getting recruited to start up a copier sales company with someone else. They were the owner. I was the first salesperson. Uh, so it wasn't my company at all, but it was just the two of us. So I was pretty, pretty involved in it. Um, and what we end, what I ended up doing was I ended up um, at the time I wasn't making much money. Uh, I couldn't even afford, you know, I couldn't even afford to live in the city at that time. I ended up deciding to call large accounts. So I called Sparrow's the pizza chain. Yeah. Um, and uh, I called them up and I, I said, you know, how do you take care of what, you know, what do you do with all the receipts when people buy pizzas and stuff like that? And, they told me that they overnight, next day delivery, FedEx receipts from every single store, uh, every single location to their headquarters in New Jersey. And uh, I'm sure we, you know you guys all know there's there's a lot of stores, a lot of there's a lot of pizza stores out there, uh, and that's a huge expense. So I said, why don't we just sell a little scanner for every single every single store you have, and then they'll just scan the receipts, and then I'll sell you some software that scans information off those receipts and populate it into your you know, your, your, your counting stuff. Uh, and you don't have to pay more for this overnight delivery of receipts. Like who needs it? Just scan it and you're done. And they ended up buying a $500,000 solution from my company. Um, and I made, you know, a good chunk of change on that deal, way more than I, than I had made, uh, you know, in my salary or ever in my salary to that point combined. Um, and I took that and I ended up going to buy an apartment in the city, a very, very small apartment um, that I found. I couldn't afford to pay the mortgage on that apartment, uh, but luckily at that time, you know, financing was loose and uh, you could do anything. So I could have, they would give me a mortgage even though I couldn't afford it. So they gave me a mortgage and I rented it out to someone else who could pay the rent. And the person that paid the rent covered my mortgage and maintenance. And from there, the mortgage guy recruited me to come into his mortgage firm and said, you're in the wrong industry. You should be doing real estate. And from there, I ended up you know, going into the brokerage world. So that's my... That's my short and long story. Yeah, so your your actual trigger into the world of real estate was becoming an, an owner of, of property, and, and you decided, hey, at this point, I, I'm going to be, I need to get into this world. Yeah, I was lucky. I was talking to someone at the time, uh, and you know, I just said, you know, I just made this money. What should I do? Should I go? Should I go get an apartment in the city? You know, I could, I can go have some fun with it. You know, I was young. I, you know, a lot of fun things I could have done with that money. And the guy's like, don't be an idiot. It was a friend of mine. He's like, don't be an idiot. Go do something that's going to help you in your life, in your career. Go look for an apartment. Go buy an apartment. You know, start leveraging. 
Um, and um, I owe him a lot because that piece of advice really changed the, the trajectory of my, of my life and my career. And, uh, and at the time, I was like, I can't afford to buy an apartment. I have this money, but like, I can't import, afford to pay the monthlies on it. You know, when's the next time I'm going to do a deal like this? And he's like, go find an apartment. You'll figure it out. I know you, Michael. You'll figure it out. And I did. I figured it out. It worked out. I didn't have a choice. I had to figure it out. Let's talk for a minute just about real estate in Manhattan because it is it is quite different from the rest of the country. And if, and if I'm right here, there's no MLS, right, in Manhattan? Yeah, there is. I mean, there's a tiny one that very few participants, uh, very few people are involved with. Uh, effectively, you know, we don't have an official realtor-run MLS in Manhattan that anyone really is too involved with. Okay. Tell us about the importance of relationships then when, when you're in real estate in, in New York City. Yeah. So the thing is, we do have a real estate board of New York. It's not a realtor-run body, um, but it is a board. And we do effectively have something that operates like an MLS. So there still is a central repository where everybody puts their listings in. It's just not governed as well. You know, sometimes information is wrong in there. Um, it's just not, it, it's, it's, when people come from other states and they come into New York and they see how we operate them our MLS, they're like, you know, half of your agents would have been fined or kicked out by now because of how you guys treat the system. Right. You know, no, people don't put in expiration dates when things actually inspire. People trick the system and there's just very little regulation in that, in that front. And so relationships are definitely extremely important here. Uh, because you tend to work with people that you have good relationships with, and you tend to see the same people over and over again. And as there are more real estate agents in Manhattan, significantly more real estate agents in Manhattan than there are transactions that take place. So most real estate agents don't do anything. Um, and then a few do most of the business. And those that do most of the business, you know, work really, really closely together. You started your uh, career with uh, Prudential Douglas Elliman. Is that where you started or were you somewhere before that? Actually, I started somewhere before that. Um, I started at a company, it's no longer here. It's a British company. It's one of the most expensive top brokerages in London called Foxton's. And um, Foxton's came here, bought out a discount brokerage, um, uh, was called YHD, Your Home Direct, bought them out and wanted to try to bring their London managed brokerage model uh, to New York, New Jersey uh, area. It was a, an employee-based model. I got a salary and a car and uh, very different than traditional real estate brokerages here because brokerage is extremely different in the UK than here. And that was actually my first job as a broker when I switched from being a, um, a mortgage broker into a real estate agent. It was my first agent job. Um, and I actually went pretty far in that company, ended up becoming extremely involved in managing their Manhattan operations, uh, different departments. I did a bunch of training um, and then got recruited to Douglas Elliman from them uh, because Douglas Elliman had an interest in the managed brokerage model because Foxen seems to be doing extremely well. So they recruited me at that point and then I joined Douglas Elliman and um, instead of actually building a managed brokerage model there, uh, what ended up happening was I ended up uh, partnering with a few agents and started just, you know, doing a ton of business. The business grew, uh, ended up becoming part of a team where we were the number one team in the company for a whole bunch of years. So that was my very different trajectory into the real estate business than, than people in the U.S. I had a really amazing experience learning from a different different type of model. And so uh, after uh, your time at, at Douglas Elliman, you decide you're going to open up your own boutique firm, and that's Meyer International. 
Mm-hmm. Talk about talk about that decision. That had to be. I mean, you you were doing well at Douglas Elliman. Um, walk us through that process. There had to be a few bumps in the road. Yeah, definitely. There were uh, definitely a few bumps in the road. Um, so first of all, I made the trans. I made the the change in uh, 2009. And 2009, the market wasn't so good. Uh, it was a difficult time. And uh, in the back of my head, I always wanted to have a brokerage. Um, I just, I, I, you know, from 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 when I started working at Foxton's, you know, moving forward at that point, uh, I think a lot of just seeing different brokerage models and seeing it work in different ways was very intriguing to me. Um, and I'm still completely on top of all the different brokerages that are out there now with different models trying to do different things. Um, it's very exciting for me. I like seeing people try different things. So. Um, I love being an agent and I love selling properties and I love dealing with people and all that kind of stuff. I've been doing it for you know, a long time now. Um, but I also enjoy building things uh, and um, being strategic and uh, marketing and so on and so forth. So in the back of my mind, I kind of always wanted to have a brokerage um, yeah, just kind of kind of within me. So when 2009 came and the market slowed down and um, things were changing and there was a bunch of stuff going on in the company as well at Element at the time, uh, so there were a bunch of reasons of why I left at that time, um, but it was a great time to be leaving because business was slower. So it's hard to leave a job when you're making a ton of money and you're doing deal after deal after deal after deal. You know, you, you, you stay when you're making money. And then when the market changes, and you have, for me, I thought of it as an opportunity because I wasn't going to be making as much money at that time because the market was just slow. Um, and so that would be a good opportunity for me to spend the time required to start building a brokerage, which takes away from production, of course. Um, and that's, you know, one of the factors that was involved with doing it at that point in time. Okay. And so talk about uh, the company now. How, how many uh, agents do you have? How big do you want it to be? Yeah, so good question. So we're 12 of us now, uh, and we're really only starting to recruit now. Uh, most of the people that work with me here are people that I either worked with in the past or were referred to me through other people. I never really made a large effort in recruiting. I myself do uh, a good volume of production. So I, I just never went out in the recruiting you know, line. And then over the past year, I've been spending really uh, spending a lot of time this past year on developing systems, developing structure. Uh, so that I can have a really great platform to be bringing in agents. So I'm actually only starting to recruit now. So so that's a, a pretty exciting time for us. Fortunately, I spent a, quite a great deal of time that I uh, we are in a significantly more structured position to grow than a lot of firms are when they kind of start and they don't have the money and they don't have the structure and they're trying to figure everything out at the same time and it's you know scary and so on and so forth. Uh, you know, we have the structure, we have the systems, I still have production coming in. Uh, so, uh, you know, we don't have a lot of those fears and anxieties that some of the, you know, newer brokerages have uh, when they start going into hyper growth mode. Obviously, when I do a podcast, I do a lot of digging and try and find out as much as I can about the guest. And I got to tell you, I'm really impressed with the Meyer International website. Um, you know, de- definitely high end luxury, super clean, modern. Uh, and I was really intrigued by the case studies feature. I'd never seen that before. And I don't know if that's a East Coast thing or a Manhattan thing, but to talk about that, just that one feature of the website. Yeah, that's uh, it's a big feature for us. Um, so we have two things. We have case studies and we have client stories, our big parts of the site. 
So um, when I went through a rebranding process, because we actually used to be known as Meyer Group, and then we became now Meyer International, um, and it's a recent um, a recent rebrand. And um, so when we went through this process of rebranding and creating a new website and starting to think about what it is that we offer the consumer and what it is that the consumer would be interested in, what I did was I went to some of my past clients and I asked them, I said, you know, I'm working on marketing material and I, you know, I'm thinking, what should I put on my marketing material? Should I put down that, you know, we've done uh, over 750 transactions or should I put down that we've done over whatever million dollars in sales? Or should I put down that I've been doing this for a decade or the company's got 20 plus years experience? What, you know, what, what, which of those three things should I put down? And you know, time after time, my clients are like, give me this look and be like, Michael, we didn't hire you because you guys do a lot of business. Like, of course you do a lot of business. Anyone we would hire does a lot of business. Like, you know, we didn't hire you because of that. A lot of brokers done a lot of business. We hired you because you treated us like we were your only client. That's why we hired you. And we hired you because you were strategic in terms of how you talked about having a customized plan to market our apartment. And we hired you because while discussing strategy, you educated us a lot. Those are the reasons that we hired you. So I would scratch all that good stuff that you've done in terms of successes, and I would just talk about those things, how you're strategic, how you're proactive, and how you treat your clients like, you know, like they're, they're, only, you're, they're your only clients. So when we decided to, you know, to, to create this site, I decided to include um, – Number one, client stories, which are stories that past clients have shared with us, and they are stories where past clients talk about their experience, and they talk about, um, you know, when they were, let's say, going to sell their apartment, what went in, what was involved in that process, and a lot of it gets personal, uh, and a lot of it's like, oh, I wanted to sell, my partner didn't want to sell, and this is what we went through, and then we met with Meyer International, and you know, they first met with one of us before they met with the other, and there was a whole strategy that was involved just even getting us to the point of listing the apartment. And the whole point of like, that's just one you know example of the story is because there are people out there that are in that situation. I, I meet with them every day where, you know, they're not sure if they want to sell, uh, you know, it's a, for anybody, anywhere, moving is a big deal and it's an emotional thing. So we want to get people to go onto our site and connect with our other clients and learn from their experiences and help them make decisions. So that's a lot of the client stories. And also, of course, it gets into their experience with the marketing and their experience with this and that. But the whole point of it is not to say anything about Meyer International in terms of how great we are. It's to share something that the client can learn and use for their own. And the same thing with case studies. Those are more specific, what did we do to market the apartment? But it's not, look how great we are, we have great marketing. It's these are the type of marketing avenues that are successful in helping you get your apartment sold. And if you go hire another broker, just make sure they do that too. Well, that's why we do it. Yeah, it's it's just really well done. Anyone listening needs to go check out that site. Uh, just great job. It's um, uh, you know acronym for for Meyer International is Mint M I N T Real Estate dot com. So that's M I N T Real Estate dot com. You've embraced social media big time in your marketing efforts. I see you live streaming on Facebook. We'll talk about Snapchat in a minute, uh, and all that stuff, of course live streaming and, and that sort of thing. It has to be you, but you're also a busy guy. You're, you're, you're running a brokerage. You've got your own production. You're you talk about recruiting coming up. Do you have help with some of the posting and things that I see my international doing, or is that all you? Uh, it's a mix. So, um, Snapchat, um, and, uh, Facebook live is a, a very personal channel. And so that's me. 
I'm trying to use it as a platform to educate agents uh, to raise the bar in the industry and I do that by talking about personal stories and challenges that I have and by sharing my personal challenges I'm tr you know I basically you know I, something happens the day before something you know bad or, or, or difficult uh, you know I have a struggle of some sort and in this world of real estate there is always something like that every day usually multiple things like that you know it's, it, it sits on my mind and then I say you know what what's the best way to for me to address it let me just let me just share it with my audience let me talk about this issue let me see if other people have dealt with this issue let me see how they've dealt with the issue and then by the end of the day you know I've, I've either researched online what other how other people have dealt with this issue or other people have snapped back at me or commented or emailed me or called me um, and you know then by the end of the day I share some of what I've learned so a lot of it is kind of just putting myself out there not holding anything back uh, and I've been getting a lot of really um, great feedback from people that they you know it's authentic it's real I don't make any of the stuff up it's just it's just real stuff um, and that's one part and then the other part is really uh, just trying to educate um, um, trying to educate agents out there so I started something big yesterday is the first time I did it uh, I went to go speak at the real estate school and I'm going to be starting to speak there regularly and I put it on Facebook live and I was there training agents and it's supposed to be a recruiting session <laughs> I'm supposed to I actually pay to go there and it's supposed to be for me to pay to tell agents about my international and why they should come work for me uh, and I've decided not to pitch at these things I've decided to just go there and use this as an opportunity to teach agents what they should do and how they should become successful and I put it on Facebook live because I think it's applicable across the nation for things that agents can do to improve themselves and yes of course if people like what I'm saying and they would like to be part of a firm that really cares about education and that cares about collaboration and cares about transparency then of course they'll call me they'll call up you know my company and say hey I'd like to come talk to you guys you know that would be nice but regardless I you know I, I said it multiple times yesterday I said I don't care what firm you work with we're a small industry we're a big industry but we're a small group of people that actually do business and we're going to work together and if I can somehow better your game, if I can somehow improve your life, if I can somehow bring balance to your life and just improve what you do and improve what you do for the clientele, everything's going to get better for all of us. And so I'm using Facebook Live as an opportunity to have an unedited, this is what I'm saying. If there's a blooper, you're going to hear me. If I get caught saying something and there's a Freudian slip, you're going to hear it. This is me. This is live. This is who we are. This is what we're about. And I think people are listening more because they know I didn't edit it and polish it and just make the really good sound bites, you know? Right. I, I love the approach you're taking with uh, the realtors you're talking to at the school. It's the same approach you take to customers and clients in the real estate business. It's not, hey, we're the best, come look at me. It's give, 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 almost that Gary Vee kind of like, you know, jab, 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 mm -hmm. right? I mean, that's really, exactly. really well done. So let's, let's. I actually said that in the school yesterday. I said, I was talking to these people and I said, listen, what I'm doing, I always tell people, if you want to be successful, find someone else that's successful and just copy them. Just, you know, you, you, you're going to make it your own. You're going to adjust. You're going to learn. You, you know, you're, you're not going to be a carbon copy, so to speak. But, you know, there are a lot of things you don't need to reinvent. So I'm like, look at what I'm doing. You know that law, I'm trying to build a company. I care to have agents join my company. So that is obviously in the back of my mind an interest, but what am I doing? I'm coming here and I'm educating you, I'm teaching you, I'm leveraging a live platform, a Facebook platform that I can broadcast nationally or, or internationally so that I can take everything that I do and make the most out of it. So if I were you as an agent, and I am in some situations you as an agent, 
I'd be doing the same thing. I'd be finding something. I'd be focusing on it. I'd become a master of it, and I'd be educating others on it. And if people like what you're educating, they're going to start talking to you and ask you for help. And so, yeah, uh, it's interesting that you brought that up. Yeah. Let's let's focus on Snapchat for a minute. That's how you and I met, which uh, yeah. the fact that you can build relationships Amazing. through Snapchat absolutely works, right? Um, yeah, really, uh, really phenomenal. Yeah, and I, I just love, you know, I know, real quick story. My wife uses Snapchat to follow people in France. She loves Paris and other things like that. Oh, She'll cool. find people snapping there and follow, and follow their stories. Uh, I've now turned her on to what you're doing and because your snaps, you're walking through the city. Uh, and there are so many cool places in New York. You know, you're sharing your business philosophy. You're talking about something that happened that day, or maybe giving a, an idea for moving forward um, on a process. But boy, I'll tell you what: just the backdrop you have, which is Manhattan, is amazing. So, talk talk about how you got into Snapchat, and talk about maybe ha- have you had the opportunity to build any relationships yet that maybe down the road are going to lead to you know transactions. So. It's a, it's a, it's a good question. You know, Snapchat for me is, um, I feel really, really fortunate that Snapchat, you know, has come about. I, for me, I feel like Snapchat is doing for my life and my career, uh, what navigation did for my driving experience. Cause I hate looking at maps and I hated printing out map quest things. And the second that I was able to put the navigation in my car, I was able to do a lot more business in real estate because uh, at one point I was selling properties in Queens and in and, and, and areas where I was in a car going around. It resolved certain you know issues that I was having and made me more efficient. Uh, and Snapchat's done the same thing for me because sen- sitting there and typing out stuff and, on Facebook and putting typewritten posts and, and, and writing blog posts and things like that for some people is great and for some people is easy. For me, I'm a much more verbal, audible person. I like to talk. I like to have conversations. And so for me, Snapchat is a very easy way where I can just sit there and talk. And I don't need to worry about the syntax. I don't need to worry about the grammar, the spelling. It can just be a brain dump, so to speak. And I can get to the heart of my, you know, of what I want to say. So I feel very fortunate that it came about at this time. I've always been very involved with video. Uh, I've done lots of video, uh, you know, throughout my brokerage career. Three years ago, um, I got a ridiculous amount of press. I was written all over like Business Insider and Curved and all this kind of stuff because I was doing lifestyle um, photo shoots in apartments that I was selling. And then we would video the whole thing. And I would drive around the New York City on my Ducati motorcycle and teach you about history of the city. So I got a lot of press because they were set, talking about the sex sell real estate because we had models in our apartments. and. You know, I was a uh, you know at, at the time it got us a lot of press. So I've always been very interested in in using video. Um, I've been toying around now with virtual reality video. So I like video, and Snapchat, uh, you know, makes that so much easier. So you know, I started playing with Snapchat a little bit. Um, and once I learned how to use it, there's a learning curve there. Uh, and anybody that picks it up, and any of the listeners to this, if you guys are like, oh, I've been on Snapchat, I tried a couple times, I don't get it, or it's a headache, or I don't know how to use it, or whatever it is. Uh, it took me two weeks to get it. That's a long time, two weeks. And I was really like heavy in it for two weeks. And once I spent those two weeks and I got it and I understood it, it's like a different language. It's like going from, I don't know, uh, DOS to Windows or something. Right. Uh, once you, once you get it, you are going to, your life's going to change. Uh, and, and, and it's going to happen whether you want it to happen or not. You're either just going to be an early adapter or you're going to be a late adapter, but fortune magazine just put snap on the back cover of fortune. You know, it's coming. So I joined Snap, 
and I'm and because it's so easy to consume information, I started looking for other people that are on Snap, um, and I found a lot of people. And since a lot of people that I actually know aren't on Snap, or at least they don't tell people they're on Snap yet, some people are on it. I'm surprised how many, but I don't know. They don't want anyone to know they're on Snap. They think it has a, a, a young stigma or something. Um, so I'm looking for other people, and I've been introduced to people, you know, across the world that have been giving me so much information. Venture capitalists—they're talking about how how you build companies, and they're they're speaking to like from a VC. Uh, perspective to uh, people in you know the startup world in in, in California and San Francisco and whatever, um, and then I've met people in the in, in the social media world who are doing stuff and and you're one of those people doing phenomenal things with podcasts and educating people and the people that you have on your podcast is just like you know I'm in awe of what you do it's just phenomenal and I didn't know you um, I'm sure you're on Facebook and all these places and I'm sure you're all over the place but um, until Snapchat. Uh, became, you know, until I got introduced to it, it just became much easier for me to navigate. And if you're the type of person that likes watching content, if you like watching movies or you just like watching videos or, you know, you, you enjoy that more than just reading text, you need to learn how to, you need to invest in your time in Snapchat to learn how to do it because you're going to meet people and form relationships like I'm doing right now. And I've been forging some, like, relationships I never would have had, and I'm meeting some people I never would have met, and it's just a, it's a complete game changer for me. Yeah, I think you point out something really important there, that it's, f for me, a lot of social networks, not just Snapchat, but a lot of social networks, it's the learning I can do there. It's connecting with people first by just listening to what they're talking about, and then you, you really get a sense of who that person is, and then you decide, I'm going to reach out and make this connection. It's not how much you post sometimes, it's how much you listen, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I do a lot of listening. I do, uh, you know, I, I uh, a little tip for people that have Snapchat, you can't organize contacts too easily in terms of like groups and stuff. So you, you could put a letter in front of everybody's name. So I like, you know, all the people that are in the social media world, I put an SM dash. And then when I, you know, want to go learn about social media stuff, I just start looking at all those social media people. And then I have BIZ, or people that have business advice, and I watch those people. And every day, like, I can't go to sleep. <laughs> it doesn't matter if it's one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning. I'll stick my earphones in and I have to watch those people because in Snapchat, their story, what they're teaching is going to disappear in 12 to 24 hours. So if I miss it, I'm going to miss it. So I'm forced to listen. I'm forced to be engaged. I'm f I can't look at something else while I'm doing it. You, you are 100% forced to be engaged. And for someone like me in New York City where I'm pulled in 500 million directions, being forced to be engaged and watch is, is basically forcing me to learn. And I'm just, I'm so fortunate that somebody's forcing me to learn these things. That's great. Well, Michael, I've had you here for over half an hour. So I'm, I'm going to wrap up with the same question that I've asked all 42, well, 41 before you guests. And that is, what advice would you give to an agent just getting started in the business? A couple of pieces of advice. Number one, get educated. Okay. And, uh, you know, if you're, if you're a brokerage firm that you're with is going to give you education, then learn every single thing you could possibly learn at your brokerage firm. Uh, and then go learn all the free advice that, you're can, that, that you can get. So, for example, feel free. You can go on Facebook and watch me on Facebook Live. All these different free courses that I'm teaching, it's out there for everybody to learn from. It doesn't cost you anything. Uh, so if you go to Facebook.com forward slash Meyer Group NYC, and that's Meyer with an I, so Meyer Group NYC, um, you can you can go and you can see the uh, the courses that I've started and continue and you can ask questions and you can engage 
when you're starting in the in the business, I was telling people yesterday, before you start, when you're taking your course, you need this is a primarily a relationship-based business. And people try to buy leads, and of course, we are very big into lead generation. Uh, you should figure out how you get your leads. The, you know, having leads is the name of the game, but it's primarily a relationship-based business, and the more people, the more contacts that you have, the more contracts you're going to get signed. You need to go out there and make as many contacts as you can, and you need to be educated so that you can communicate with those contacts, and you need to have a marketing plan so that you can continue to educate those contacts to make them people that will refer you to others. And so, you know, when you're starting, just get educated. And as Gary Vee would say, and uh, this is his words, not mine, so sorry for being, uh, <laughs> he says, just go do shit. That's what he says over yep. and over and over again. Um, because I can give you five million pieces of advice, and, and, and that's great, um, but there's a lot of people that know a lot and they don't do anything. So pick one thing and go do it. And if that means making contacts and building a contact database and having a plan where you call or email or snap at or Facebook live at or somehow genuinely speak to those people, they will refer you business. Or if you decide you want to call for sale by owners, you better do it every day and just do it. So my advice would be do stuff um, and, and build yourself a contact database um, and, and share the knowledge that you're learning daily with them. Like I'm sharing what I'm learning daily with, uh, with, with everybody in general and I'm trying to share it with real estate agents because if I share stuff with them, hopefully they're going to want to do business with me. That's great. Michael, if uh, someone listening to the show wants to reach out to you, what's the best way they can get in touch with you? Uh, best way they can get in touch with me is, uh, first of all, they can find me on Snapchat if they have Snapchat so we could see each other, feel each other, get a real, you know, the closest thing to an uh, in-person uh, conversation is Snapchat. Uh, and my Snapchat handle is Michael Meyer NYC. That's Meyer with an I, so it's M-I-C-H-A-E-L-M-E-I-E-R-N-Y-C. Um, they can, uh, you know, go on Facebook and connect with me on Facebook, like I was saying, facebook.com forward slash Meyer Group NYC. Um, or simply they can uh, go to our website and they can email me through there. And uh, our website uh, domain is uh, M-I-N-T from Meyer International, M-I-N-T, realestate.com. Michael, thank you so much for taking time to join us here on the uh, Real Estate Sessions. I really enjoyed it, and uh, I look forward to, to watching some more snaps. Yeah, I look forward to, to keeping on top of your podcasts. Uh, they're, 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 what you're doing is phenomenal. Thank you very much for the opportunity. You've been listening to the Real Estate Sessions with Bill Rissa of Chicago Title, Arizona. Please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and tell your friends about the Real Estate Sessions as new episodes are published weekly.